to the T-Hood Podcast. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Moby. And I'm John. <laughs> yes. Welcome back, John. Our hey. second guest to return on the podcast for a, uh, a revival, an encore. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And uh, I forget whose idea this was, but I'll take credit for it. Um, <laughs> and later the blame <laughs> <laughs> could be the blame. Well, talk talk to me in like an hour and a half. <laughs> but uh, one of us had the idea of having you on because we just figured like you're a guy we'd want to have a beer with or a whiskey with and just shoot the shit about the geek world. Awesome. Well, we can do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, we are doing that. Which uh, is you, you do know I'm like I could be your dad, really. No, maybe not you. I think. Leland, what, I'm like 19 years older than Leland, so. Well, right, and I'm much younger than Leland, so. Yeah, right. Oh. You're, no, he's no. lying. He's so, far, far older. So there is a, there's a generation gap here, but I feel like I'm in my 30s, if that makes any difference. It makes well, a lot of difference too. to me. Young at heart. <laughs> I hope when I'm your age, you know, the ripe old age of 41, that uh, uh, I'll, I'll be the same. I, I think your math's off, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, who are you? Who, 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 who? <laughs> well, I'm just a schlep that uh, sort of got into board games and got on Twitter and started talking to people and making fun of other people like I usually do. And uh, before you know it, I uh, had a whole bunch of friends get together. And over the last, uh, what, six months or so, we started doing uh, the Encourageable Club podcast. And Oh, we tried to launch that. And then uh, that failed miserably because well we never actually posted. Wait, it. no, that was the incredible hour. Uh, oh, is that what? That's right. That's, that's what, what it was it. supposed. And to then be uh, eventually, yeah, we got into playing D and D together and uh, got into the incredible party D and D podcast. So that's about all I've done. I go to cons and I talk to people, and then Emily's nice to them. And after that, we uh, we just sort of hang. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. Yes. Emily a, is the uh, epitome of the statement, my better half. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, John, I'm just personally curious. Did you do any sort of podcasting or anything like that prior to the Encourageable Club slash party? Not podcasting. Years and years ago, we used to make short films. And uh, we've done a lot of different different things over the years, back before the uh, YouTube and the internet and, and such. So it's all you know, on uh, videotapes up in, up in the other room. Um, so we've had some experience with video editing and, and things like that, but, but no, not really. Not in the last 15 years. Interesting. Cool. I knew that, of course. but <laughs> Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, but this uh, is a bonus episode. Yes. Uh, bonus banter. We've Experimental. Been, we've been wanting to do a, just a full banter episode for like literally a year and a half, so... Yeah, and it's interesting because the impetus of this is I think there was a time where our banter segment was like really growing. Like it'd be like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, we couldn't, we just couldn't rein it in. We couldn't rein it in. (laughs) But the irony is it's like we have so much banter, let's make a bonus banter episode. So we start planning it, and then our last few banters have been like short and sweet. Yeah, well, I think we're maybe more gung ho to get to our topics. I don't know. But the last Mm. like four episodes we've had. We've had guests, too. Yeah. I mean, even Ghost Marty was a guest the last episode, so. Yes, Ghost Marty. Back from the dead. It's a miracle. (laughs) 
Well, I, I read up and I practiced uh, the art of seance, seance. Uh, as the French like to say, and uh, we got them. <laughs> Is that how the French do it? Just yes. say uh, an English word and put a little spin on the end of it, right? Yeah, you put a little say. circumflex over the A okay, or whatever. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, I mean, this is, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be some things that we're going to bring up that maybe not all of us are into. But in case you've seen it, I got to ask, John, have you seen or started the Amazon uh, series, The Boys? Yeah, we watched the whole thing. Oh, now there is our first topic to discuss. Unless you want to do a fucking special on this, Leland, I want to talk about this. No, let's do it now. It's fine. Okay. I know you have the fucking biggest heart on for it. Well, yes, I do, but mostly just <laughs> Homelander. But I, I well, just... this is good because uh, John's lovely, beautiful, and talented wife Emily did want to hear my thoughts, specifically my thoughts on it. So this one's for you, Emily. Actually, I do too, because you said with such disdain and condescending nature about how much of a hard on I have for this show. Which... Uh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? We know where Leland's going to be, which is right. I absolutely hate the show. So, John, what do you think of the show? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I figured Leland was going to go for. Uh, at first, I wasn't interested in watching it necessarily, but then I heard somebody talking about it on a podcast and said it was uh, pretty violent and mm-hmm. uh, need, needlessly violent, and that's exactly what I was looking for. You know, like <laughs> you know, Preacher. That I think that one's another show that sort of has a lot of uh, you know blood and. And gore that may not even uh, be necessary, and uh, no, so I was I was all for it. And then I really liked the you know I, I, we're allowed to talk about the show, right? Like things that happened in the show. Yeah, full, full spoilers disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew I'd like it right at the beginning when uh, the guy was out with his girlfriend on the road, and you know went right through her. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be nice. And I like the whole idea, you know, of the of the superheroes that are real pricks about you know. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Well, yeah, it's a good combination of, you know, what happens when human nature gets combined with people that are superheroes. Right. That's, you know, that's the thing that I think superhero fatigue doesn't necessarily, in my mind, it's not necessarily so much about the amount of films that have been produced. But, I mean, Marvel is just so sanitized, in my opinion, and it's just, you know, a bunch of really good people banding together and you know being good good people with their powers in movies and dc's been very misguided i think in how they've been dark and they want to be darker edgier and i kind of think that the boys is this really um happy medium in a way that it Mm -hmm. has the darkness but also compelling characters and good story so i mean that's my opinion i i thought it was refreshing i thought it was funny and interesting as all hell and uh i really liked most of the performances i i have very little wrong to say about it because i the the issues i had with it in the beginning which maybe i'll jump into depth uh in a minute or so were mostly rectified by the end of the the first season Mm -hmm. so i don't have too much bad to say about it uh Hmm. leland how about you uh yeah i liked it um it was kind of it was refreshing in the vein of a superhero media, right? Right. And uh, it was the perfect amount of needless violence, as you yeah. so eloquently put there, John. <laughs> I completely concur. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just 
I think it you I think it was just hyped up too much. Uh, possibly like I still like I give the first season like a nine out of ten. Like it's a, it's a really good show. It is excellent TV, but it still has its flaws. I mean, I, I felt like it got really slow in the middle of it. And again, for a show that only has eight episodes, why is why is the the interesting plot and these interesting characters? They're halfway through. They run out of gas, and then they got to stop and refill it before. So the, the the first two episodes and the last two episodes are really good, but that's half. That's a, that's literally half the season. <laughs> hmm. So what? Wh- why did it drop in the middle? Like did we, I don't know. There's a bunch of shit in the middle. I don't. I didn't think we needed. Uh, like what? Like, uh, do you feel it? We just wasn't getting to the point fast enough. Yes, uh, I think so because you know we. <sighs> We didn't need as much "quote unquote" team building uh, with with the boys themselves. I, I don't think, as uh, they are all just clearly out for whatever you know the the payoff and and the whatever motivations they all have. They're not a they're not a cohesive team, and they're not meant to be. They're not. They're, we're we're never shown glimpses of them being some sort of functional, reliable team. Uh, and the reliable, like on each other, that's never going to happen. Yeah, because Ur- Urban's character, uh, I think, was actually the weakest character for me in the whole show. Became the weakest character very of quickly. The means, yes, of what you would consider the means, yes, I would say is pretty weak. Yeah, he was certainly the weakest because his character just got so one one yes. note, one dimensional. It just it, he didn't it didn't keep up with the reveal of of like the superheroes like homelander yeah homelander was one of the most interesting characters for sure i mean he's got this ridiculous god complex because he's fucking superman of course he does and he is also well aware of uh how heavily manipulated he is right um or at least we see him become more and more aware of that um i think when we hit his story we kind of hit him in the middle of him like Real, coming to this realization and then it's kind of like oh he gets he speeds to the end and by the time we see him right at the end of the end of the season a lot of the um the stuff with uh a train and his girlfriend that i think they could have cut out some of that stuff I yeah i didn't i didn't care for that too much either no i didn't give a shit about that and that's that was all like the hat in the middle of the season also why did uh, when A Train confronts uh, the other main dude and his dad in his house, and the Asian girl comes in and breaks A Train's leg, why not just kill him there? Why? Right. Why did he not just die? Like, the, so, so some of I the never pace, of that, some know. of the pacing was off, and it's like at this, like at hit at that point in his arc. I mean, eventually he came to not want to be this the a killer. I guess I don't know, even though he. The whole season, he's talking about how how much of a high he got out blowing up the invisible dude. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's there's some things that were like, wow, this doesn't make any sense. And now you're like, and it's like a small nick in the polished armor that is the this show. Well, he was all hopped up when he took the girl out, right? By it was a it was an accident, but isn't that the case? Yeah, he yeah. was he was on that compound V. Yeah, uh, he mentioned. I mean, E Train himself is not the most compelling of the seven to me. Oh, no, and he's the dumb character. And, Useless He's character. basically like this sports star that you would consider the stereotypical, like, NFL sports star who has been put as, like, a superhero. And it's like, okay, so now he's got these powers because he's really fast. So, you know, how would he act? 
Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I liked some of his scenes that showed how vain he was, and I thought it was cool that one of these sevens was like a hardcore drug addict for this Compound V. But as Leland said, there's there was a lot of fat that could have been trimmed with him. Yeah. And yeah. and and just, you know, there was some good stuff there, but you could have trimmed a bit. Well, and then like we they try to redeem him for us. Why do we need to feel like A-Train doesn't deserve to die? We don't. And I can tell you that because I felt they did a good job with a very subtle... Redemption is almost too strong of a word, but like the deep. The, look at the deep. Like basically his first scene is sexual assault. And so you're thinking he's like the most disgusting right up there. You think at the first... I thought he was the most like going to be the baddest of the seven. Yeah, and but, you know no. that's quickly rectified. Yeah, I think he changed considerably. His whole character changed considerably very quickly. Right. right. And you start to have sympathy with him. He's kind of the he turns into the comic relief about halfway through, like where he's bringing the dolphin that wants to screw. Oh him. fuck, that was funny. That was funny oh as my all God, hell. That was a funny scene. <laughs> and like all but but admittedly something that more of that could have just been trimmed. Like like really? wait 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 yeah. you want to, you would trim that yes because I, I was. because it no, like for argument's sake that scene was really completely unnecessary because it for his arc because it had nothing to do with him getting sent to the city he got sent to the the only reason he got sent to that city was because because he sexually harassed uh, Star Star Bright or Light or whatever the fuck her name is right so like so like if you're if things too trim like that could you could make a case for trimming that even though it was so funny it was really funny. I, I think they were just trying to plug in something funny there. They needed to have a little bit of comedy, and they thought that would be a great place to, hey, let's do the dolphin screwing right. thing. Right, because because right. that was the really the only scene that shows us how much of a fuck-up he is. Right. Okay. Which I guess is important. I also thought, okay, I have a different opinion, honestly, which is I felt that that, that wrong. scene, of course you would say that. I thought that scene was one of the first scenes to show us that he's got this caring heart for animals that's kind of you know redemptive a little bit in that you know okay so he's cocky and he's arrogant like the rest of them but he's well-meaning when it comes to you know the animal kingdom and you see that kind of later on yeah with the lobster the lobster that was a great i love that how casual he was he's just like hey man why are you here yeah. <laughs> he was talking to some bro you just see the lobster it doesn't even move <laughs> What was interesting, though, the be- one of the best scenes, even though it was one of the most disturbing scenes for me, was when he, when the deep basically gets sexually assaulted. Oh, yeah. She's, like, fingering his gills. And you're like, oh. okay, well, he's this freak show that took advantage of his power. But because he's this freak show, he gets taken advantage of as well. Right. Because he doesn't have superhuman strength or anything like that. It doesn't right. seem. Does he, though? That's another thing that irked me. I know you don't. The bulletproof. Literally everybody, bulletproof. everybody that needed to be bulletproof was. Or, that, need, yeah. or needed super strength. What? Like, Starlight's. Why is Starlight bulletproof? Yeah. It doesn't I, make I any know. sense. I mean, I, obviously it makes sense Homelander. I mean, of course, these are, uh, you know, the, the references that these guys make to the more DC. iconic superheroes that they're based off of, right? Basically. They're parodying, for lack of a better term. Like... Why the fuck is Starlight bulletproof? It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's because she needs to be. Like, I thought when she got, when Urban shot her with that big ass fucking gun, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. damn, she's down. 
But no, she's cool. Whatever. Fucking stupid. Dumb. 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 <laughs> Is it dumb, Lila? It's stupid. It's unnecessary. <laughs> uh, that's what I was She could have took one in the shoulder or something. And, like, maybe, she, you know, they're superheroes. They heal a little faster than normal. That's fine. What do you think, John? I, I feel really uncomfortable now that I agree with Leland on almost every point that he's making. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very uncomfortable feeling. That's, that's uncommon and not why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> but, also, no, I, I agree. Uh, A-Train also would have exploded. Like, is A-Train super strong? Because if not, he would have exploded when he ran into her. I mean, just like fucking physics. Come on. I mean, even Homelander references, like, I can't lift a fucking airplane. What are you talking about? It wouldn't work because, of course, it doesn't work because physics doesn't work that way. Superman can't catch an airplane. He would go right through the fucking thing, right? Like, (laughs) so they, like, sometimes it's beneficial for them to make fun of that stuff. And other times it's, no, it needs to serve the plot. It's just lazy shit. And it it, it annoys me. It is very small grievances, but it's annoying to me. Hmm. And it detracts from me. I'm afraid hmm. well let's hope they rectify that for the next season yeah hopefully starlight can just take a shot to the chest and be dead well all in all uh, it was a good take on on a superhero thing that i think hasn't been done well at least and uh yeah i think all in all it was a good show there was a lot of some stupid stuff in it but most shows have that kind of thing yeah they do yeah. You're right. but i mean that it's those small things that are in my opinion easily fixable that stop it from being like a 10 out of 10 recommend show i mean and and that's what annoys me the most because it's so close but then yet still so far because they make weird choices and maybe there's maybe there are other reasons behind those choices and obviously there is source material that this is all based off of so what what was it based on a was it based on a comic or is it based on yeah a graphic novel or something oh okay yeah yeah which apparently is way more brutal and disgusting than the show even was oh really according to the stuff i watched I've seen a few panels. It's pretty, pretty brutal. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to hog the, the banter just for one topic, so. Well, no, it's fine. But I also just wanted to cover, like, at the, the very la- end when Urban blows up and Homelander saves him. Like, there's no way Homelander saved that baby. <laughs> like, that baby's, <laughs> that baby's like a, a smudge on the rest of that house, right? Like, <laughs> that baby's toast. <laughs> he wouldn't care. Homelander. Oh, I've, I've, the first scene we see Homelander and that baby, and I'm like, Homelander's going to kill that kid by the end of this season. There's no way that kid is not dying by some action Homelander is causing. That is one of my favorite things. The contempt in Homelander's eyes for that fucking baby from I, the minute, from the get-go. <laughs> that actor is so perfect as him, though, yeah. because there's, like, every scene towards the second half of the show... Um, even when he's being charming, like you feel like he's menacing and could and may snap in that scene. He's very scary. There's a yeah. scene where like, you know, he puts his his right hand on Deep's shoulder and he's like, you know, you guys have been misbehaving. I'm like, he could just snap his neck like a twig yeah. and will he? Right. So, and yeah, how, you're right. How he eyed that kid multiple times, that baby. <laughs> he's like, that baby's going to melt. Yeah, it was because you're like, it's like, does, obviously he wants, he's like jealous. He wants to be the one sucking on them sweet, sweet mama titties, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is that all about with, with Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue, right? I mean, she's, that's, that's who it is, right? The actress. Yeah. The actress. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she, I mean, she was pretty hot back in the day and I think she's held up pretty well for how uh, she's probably my age. And uh, <laughs> what was the deal with him, you know, all into her? I think it was honestly just a result of him being him growing up in a lab 
He just has mommy issues. He literally, Homelander just has mommy issues. That's what's yeah. wrong with him. He's uh, got mommy issues and godlike powers. Those two obviously don't go well together. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the only time you see him show real vulnerability is when he's tearing up with his right. creator. Where he's she's, like, she's, you're she's looking just for manipulating an him, right? And then, you know, well, he burned her eyes out in the end. So oh, that was a great good. scene, too. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for finally being honest with me. <laughs> I liked it, too, with uh, both the airplane scene, which was classic in my yeah. mind, and yeah. the uh, scene with the special forces where he, he wipes everyone else to, out to rock the Casbah. And in the dark, he's like a Terminator. You just yeah. see the glowing eyes. Yeah. But I love how he's like so cynically like, no, no, you. You're the heroes. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> the heroes. And he gets like everyone on the plane like clapping for themselves. I, I laughed at that. <laughs> And then he's like, get the fuck back or I'll laser every one of you. <laughs> he's just so good. Yeah, he's like on a, a hairpin trigger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I felt bad for Queen Maeve in that scene and for pretty much the rest of the show. Because I think she might be the best of the seven as far as morals go who's right. not Starbright. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good show. Good show, listener. Yeah, good stuff. Next. You guys got something? Leland, anything? You've got two words. Oh, yeah. they're bonus banter. Bonus banter. <laughs> what do you want to banter about leland um i don't know what do i want to banter about what's something that's pissed you off uh, in the last four or five hours <laughs> i know it's probably a big list but <laughs> how many rec- how many hours recently. do you have john <laughs> to discuss <laughs> nothing's really pissed me off in the last five hours <laughs> i'm on vacation it's tough oh okay that must be it but actually what really pissed me off is um the end of season three of lucifer there, okay, so two episodes from the end, there's like this big reveal between Lucifer and the other main character, uh, the detective. And then the very next episode, it's like just a normal episode that has no mention of it whatsoever. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is stupid. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is, uh, this is, you know, it's a weekly episodic show that is the pacing may be weird because of the format that it was originally aired in. And then the next episode was the, the, season finale is like some fucking bullshit alternate universe garbage episode that still doesn't fucking address it so then nothing like that's just fucking stupid that, that i can't really believe you me. watched it i i saw emily watching that i watched a bit of it and then i decided that this is stupid that this is supposed to be lucifer and he's what going on crime detective things and yeah uh, it is scene. it is not i wouldn't recommend watching it, but i started it and i had to finish it so oh well of course, of course. but no, I, I had no interest in it whatsoever. It seemed like one of those, you know, and I'm not big into the Monster of the Week type of shows anyway. Um, but, yeah, right. I, I just didn't like the concept of it. But, you know, I guess a lot of people like it. It's made three well, seasons, right? A lot of right? people love it. Four. And it's Netflix is making a fifth. It's, it's and I, like I said, I didn't watch it, but I'm sure there's like a, a love romance type thing to it that keeps it all, you know, yeah, on the edge of their seat kind typical, of thing. Yeah, your typical serial crime drama shit right right and that's just make it the devil exactly okay exactly i'm with john the monster of the week stuff is why i'm not the world's biggest x-files fan i I try to watch an episode here and there but i love the main story yeah but then you get a bunch of monster of the week and it's always like scooby-doo you know they never Mm -hmm. actually get what it is and they never hunt it down and the the truth has eluded us for like 25 years. <laughs> so, 
Well, maybe the maybe the the newer episodes are not like that. Uh, I'd have to watch them. I mean, at some sh- time you'd like them to have like a finality, like to the show where they actually expose the conspiracy and. Yeah, but then you then the show's over. Then you have the, then there's no more show. Like they they've written themselves into this format, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They start out as pretty good. People are enjoying it. Then it gets to a point where they're going, oh, how can we one-up that last episode? And then they get to a point where it just starts getting stupid because they they got to do something better than the last time. And then it just sort of sinks. And, uh, you know, those those shows die off pretty quick. They usually jump the shark probably in the third season, and then they're just trying to maintain whatever they can to pull as much money out as they can get by with it, and then it dies. Yeah, you're right. John, what is the best show that you've seen recently? Oh, let's see. What have I been watching recently? I mean, apart from The Boys, which is when we just finished up, you know, nothing's coming to mind right now. I try. I don't, I don't watch a lot of shows anymore. It has to really catch my attention. Uh, oh, we're watching, uh, we're watching um, Handmaid's Tale, the last season. We just finished that up. And I thought that was, less, especially the last season, it was sort of a slow burn on that, too. But have you guys seen that? No. No, I have not, actually. It's a, I think it's a pretty good twist on a bad future and how things could go really wrong. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll, I won't get into that too much since you guys didn't watch it yet. <laughs> I would I would highly suggest it. I think it's it's a it's a it's a pretty neat take on you know how if it could get something could get you know way out of hand very quickly and uh, I guess dystopian type after world and Canada comes out really good. Canada's pretty cool, so yeah, you might all right uh, you okay might, you might nice. want to check it out. Canada's Canada's really the sort of the heroes of this uh, show. Well, at least we're the heroes of something, other than being nice and winning competitions to say sorry. I hate that stereotype. But don't you hear it often up here? I hear people apologizing for fucking everything. Nobody has ever apologized to me for Well, they're scared shitless of you. That you think I should get more apologies then? (laughs) Okay, okay, touche. (laughs) Sorry, sir. I think Emily and I have thought most Can- Canadians have been uh, really nice, with the exception of Leland, which sort of is a counter to the rule, right? So now we know it balances out somewhat. A bunch of his family's from <laughs> Alaska, balances. so that explains things. <laughs> Cold, dark hearts. Endless winter. My, no, my, I mean, my, the blood side of that is not from Alaska. Well, okay, you know what I meant. Well, there's no. There are Alaskan people that live in Alaska. They're Alaskan. <laughs> Yeah, they live in fucking Anchorage. Who like has biggest city in who Alaska? has Alaskan? Oh, it's like a blood. it's a larger metropolitan who has city Alaskan than the city blood, we live other than a few like First Nations people. I don't know. It's, they're still Alaskan. You would fight me on everything. Of course, you That's would fun. fight me that a, a red skittle is rouge instead. <laughs> no, no, that's too far. That's too much French for me. We already got the seance. <laughs> yeah. we, we've expelled that French ghost. <laughs> Okay, one thing I want to see if th- this is something I posted on the T HUD uh, Facebook uh, uh, page recently. Matrix Four. I'm quite excited. I get excited over things. Yeah. How about you guys? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll I'll take that over an unnecessary. No, I mean like obviously I'm a fan of Keanu Reeves and like they got Carrie Ann Moss back. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, so it could be. 
fine. No Morpheus though yet. Yeah, that's yet. weird. I think some casting is going to come out. It's I he's think too fat. He doesn't want to lose fifty pounds. He should. Well, he would need to. <laughs> At least Carrie Ann Moss is still in pretty good shape. What's the timeline on this? Is it supposed to be a number of years later? I mean, uh, everyone's speculating because nothing firm has come out of it. Um, a lot of people are saying that since the one gets reborn, Neo gets reborn. Ah. My personal thought is that the Matrix is going to help rebirth Neo for some reason. It's going to help because his code was disseminated into the Matrix that you'll need the Matrix's help. And I think they may do a sort of, you know, flip the script sort of thing where he needs to save the Matrix. Maybe there's a lot of people still plugged in because it was their choice to stay. Or maybe a, a rogue group of machines because they're sentient is trying to reclaim the Matrix and make it worse. Because where Matrix 3 ended is kind of like a utopian new beginning. Right. So. Well, no, I want, uh, we're going to get the point of the, the machine side. And we'll, we'll, we'll finally figure out that the crew of the Ebuchadnezzar and everyone outside of the Matrix are actually the bad guys. <laughs> and the robots are fighting uh. for their survival. William Zabka announced his casting. Hey! <laughs> so how, when was the last one released? I mean, it had to have been what? 2003 2003 quite some time ago and what what do you guys think why do you think they're bringing it back now because keanu is hot as fuck right now yeah actually that's that's the exact reason that i thought everything he touches seems to be gold and there's a lot of interest in his personal life too i've seen a lot of documentaries on like him showing off a motorcycle for two hours or something he's so enthusiastic (laughs) and happy yeah he's fucking happy about everything i don't know how someone could be so happy (laughs) He must like go home and like whip himself. So or something I think because. I think it's a cross between like Leland said he's he's in a very good stage in his career, but he's also one of those rare actors. Tom Cruise is another that it looks very good and can still pull off the physical acting well into yeah. their fifties. Plus the Wachowskis need to do something. Yes, they they need to redeem their. <laughs> they need career. to do something. <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss, where's she been for ten years? You know, it's she's been in Jessica yeah. Jones. She oh. also made some other really shitty movie that I forget the name of. And it was surprising that she was in it. But uh, she's been doing stuff. Okay. I'll probably see it. I won't see it in a theater. Oh, yeah. That that would definitely be a theater movie. You think so? No. Oh, the I, Matrix? Yeah, I think so. No, I don't think... I, I think I'll wait till it, I can watch it on Netflix or something. I don't think I'm that excited. I mean, it's it's cool. I like The Matrix. I liked, I liked all three of them. But I don't know if it's something that'll drive me to the theater or not. What does drive you to the theater these days, John? Ah, uh, wow. Let's see. I mean, I like the the epic stuff, of course, but um, I'll always go see whatever new Star Wars movie is released. I don't care, you know, yes. if, if, what your thoughts are on Disney or, or not. Love um, you, John. Yeah, so I'll always, <laughs> always do that. And, you know, the, it has to be pretty epic now for me to go to the theater. I, I, I enjoy my comfortable couch and watching things. I don't mind that. <laughs> I don't mind that I have to wait six months because, hell, once it gets out of the theater, I can see it within six months at home. Right. right. Yeah. And there's not true. the only thing I would want to go see is if something I knew that there would be spoilers out there that would destroy the movie. And, you know, then I'll probably go. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you're part of the problem of the failing movie industry, the failing yeah. movie theater industry. You are the problem. Your okay, generation. Thanks. I didn't know I had so much impact. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did. Wow. That's power. Well, the, the, the colloquial <laughs> you. I mean, not just you. Well, I I just but don't I mean, think... But I mean, shit, I don't, we don't go to the theater anymore. Kid, I was going to say, kids... we saw was Endgame. 
I was talking to my son. I said, well, you know, you go go see a movie. He has no interest in going and seeing a movie. I mean, he can watch whatever in the hell he wants to any point in time, uh, you know, in his room. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, shit. Uh, I mean, eventually we will be in the Matrix. Let's just go to <laughs> Jack in and you're fine. I mean, in my day, going going and seeing a movie was getting out of the house and going to see it on a big screen and, and that yeah. shit. Now I've got a big screen in my living room. Half of my goddamn wall in my living room is filled with a screen. <laughs> exactly and you, can... and you go to the theater and there's a bunch of people talking around you and chucking popcorn oh, down yes. their throat in the middle of it and talking and nothing i hate more than people talking while i'm trying to watch a goddamn oh, movie i hate that or texting or all that shit and it's not like you can have your whiskey there either you know or yeah some of the some of the new theaters are at least halfway comfortable they have those nice big lazy boy type seats and they sound pretty good but um for the most part i can wait D-box seats at home. That's what Moby needs. <laughs> Leland didn't really like those hey, seats. You paid five thousand dollars to get one in your home and set up. <sighs> I or hope I waste win the money. I'll enter every contest I can. This is the dumbest thing that they ever tried to implement. Yeah, it wasn't worth the money. I I didn't think it was bad. I liked it for Alien Covenant. Yeah, I don't know. I turned it off for Covenant. So. I know you did, <laughs> and I turned mine to Max. So what does that say? I don't know. It's like it's hokey. It's gimmicky. I don't need my seat moving around to some random score that someone's put together. <laughs> yes, it's telling you to be emotional. It's telling oh, you to feel, right. Leland. So you have to so feel. So why do I need the music then? They may as well just take out the music. We got, I got a moving seat. I don't need music <laughs> telling me should, how to feel. I don't more, need dialogue. I don't need performances. <laughs> I got a moving fucking seat. It should Morse code your spine. <laughs> yeah. You should a, be sad now, Leland. <laughs> sends an impulse to your, to your brain. You to your, should cry. Hippocampus. <laughs> I think they did that in the fifties, back with horror movies, didn't they? In the theaters, where they shook the chairs. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. all gets recycled. Right. It's, it's nothing new here. No. Well, if you guys want to switch gears, I'm a little interested in your adventures with the incorrigible party. Leland talks about it a lot, and it's it's really interesting. And as a former D and D player myself, you know, I just kind of wanted to shoot the shit, just because I think it's an interesting story and cool that you guys are doing this and my question is john uh, what character class are you just i'm i'm a ranger although i don't know if i necessarily act in the trope of a ranger but uh probably more of a i don't want to say thief but i'm I'm a, I'm a subclass of a bounty hunter so shaft is a it goes and gets bounties for his uh his guy who pays him called detmer which by the way i didn't come up with that name I don't take <laughs> no, any credit whatsoever. It's not like I'm just like, hey, why don't you call it my fucking last name? Because that's <laughs> another player, yeah. Elena named named Detmer the Dwarf. <laughs> oh, I could not, I just could not see you as a, a ranger. You seem like the guy, maybe I'm stereotyping, that would have like a seven foot long broadsword and just charge in. Actually, that's that's the one class I do not play. I haven't played a, any kind of barbarian or fighter class, uh, even since we got back. Uh, with D and D and Five E, I've uh, typically play a wizard. Oh, okay. But uh, uh, classes I've played mainly are wizard, warlock, uh, monk, and ranger. I actually picked for the podcast just because I hadn't played a ranger to this point, and I wanted to give it a try. And actually, you know, I heard so much bad shit about rangers on Five E. Um, I'm pretty happy right now with uh, Shaft's abilities. So, no, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's a bad class at all right now. Mm. 
Well, I grew up playing with Leland's ex who couldn't remember to fire her bow properly on every shot. So <laughs> it was pretty bad. I was a lot less patient back then with <laughs> oh, a lot less patient. With newer players. <laughs> who who is your tank? Is it Bill or uh no Emily is. Go em- with her. Emily is the tank. Emily is the tank. Yeah. The group. She's a fighter. Wow. Or I mean em- like Emily not the class fighter, like Emily is a fighter. Like Emily is Emily the Emily, the person, is a badass, yes, but Gozer, she plays a half-orc barbarian. Wow, you guys are really breaking the stereotypes of who I thought you would play. Well, okay, what class do you think Bill is? I thought Bill was going to be the tank, so if he's not, I would say Paladin. No, he's a wizard. No, but Paladin would have fit him well. Bill loves high fantasy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he loves high fantasy. And Elena, you didn't meet because she wasn't yeah. on the episode that one time. But she, Elena's a rogue. She's an assassin. Okay. Yeah. And if you met Elena, I think you would be like, yeah, she's probably an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what is, like, I play D&D for the story more than the combat. So what is your favorite story moment so far, John? Like, is it a fun story that you can bring up? Leland dropped a trap door or something on you? or? Um, I think... The thing I like about, and this might be a little off of what your question is, but I think what I like about our podcast is it's a lot of role playing. And mm-hmm. uh, with my other D&D group, it's a lot more combat oriented. We don't get a lot of role play. And I think we started out with with this podcast as, as being a lot more role play. So I think there's a lot of great moments because our characters really don't get along. We don't really like each other for them. We don't dislike each other, but we all have our own uh, goals and objectives. And, and the other ones are there, but, and we use each other as tools, essentially. So I think the, the best story moments come out of those those times when, like for me, Shaft is a, is really sort of a prick. He He's very much <laughs> out for himself, and he'll screw you over in a heartbeat if it's to his benefit. And I love playing that type of character. And any any chance I get that I can somehow manipulate somebody else into doing what I need done, uh, I think is a great story moment. Elena probably doesn't agree with that, <laughs> and I I've I think really pissed her off in real life a yeah, lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Really, um, really. But I think she's yeah. uh, coming around. A couple around. Of recording sessions ago, we had a bit of a, a split in the party um, through no. Through no uh, choice of the party, but through consequences of previous choices uh, or previous actions. And she was concerned that uh, Shaft didn't want to go after Falls right <laughs> Unless Shaft, it benefited him monetarily <laughs> or... Yeah, Yeah. so I, I'd say the, the reason you want to probably tune into the podcast, if you like dysfunctional people and everybody, uh, you know... And, and one of the other things I think we do that... I don't know if other podcasts do it, but I think it's somewhat unique to us is we do a lot of time off mic with each other. So uh, the characters don't spend their time with Leland and there's things that are happening in the story that the rest of us don't get to hear. So we take time off mic and then come back. So the audience and Leland know everything that's going on and the rest of the party doesn't. So uh, I, I hope that the audience, when they're listening to it, feel that, you know, they're they're in on the story and they and they go why I can see why this guy's doing that because he has no idea that the consequences are, are going to come from his actions. So, so they I think have no overall, idea that Blake likely is taking over we have, the world. We have met Blake. <laughs> I know he somehow crosses dimensions in yeah. entire games. It's oh, he's been in 
every game I've ever run. I feel like he's been in so many games. Well, and I games told you I this, too. <laughs> that girl who sent in that fan art of Blake Lakely, who just like nailed his look so perfectly how we had imagined him. I don't know if you described him. I, I did show. give Jessica a, a bit okay. of a brief description. But yeah. even the eyes, like the half dulled eyes. Well, it's because I, I, my, I'm such a great role player that of course you through are. the brief interaction that the party had with Blake Lakely, it just he came to life for the audience, obviously. And Quite literally, I hear he's living in Connecticut. So yeah, he's he uh, he's retired. He has since retired from being the mayor of of Goldham. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's quite a character, but I think Leland's favorite character has to be Thuft. I do Thuft? really la- uh, like Thuft. Um, so Thuft is Gozer's pet goblin. Oh. That okay. uh, she picked up a, f- a few, maybe 15, 12 to 15 sessions ago, a while ago now. And uh, uh, Thuft, uh, Gozer is Thuft's king, basically. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's fun. He's fun. Okay. He basically just prods. I just use him as a, a prod when I want. <laughs> like comes up with a, he comes up with a, a smart ass remark that will hopefully incite one player or the other. So he's very useful as far as DM tools go. <laughs> That's right. I should kill him. <laughs> <laughs> On the side, so nobody else knows. <laughs> He'd have to inter- introduce Thuff's son, Thuff Jr. Yeah. Or something. Of course, now that I say that, if he dies, it'll be my fault. Oh, yeah. And then Gozer will kill you. Right. We've already established that. <laughs> yeah, we did establish that. <laughs> That's no, awesome. Uh, oh, we're having a great time. I really enjoy it and um, would suggest people listen. I think it's, uh, I think the first few episodes, like any of these D&D podcasts, you, you got to get to know the characters and the story, you know, and, and once you get into it, it's like watching, a, a, you know, a TV series, right? And you'll go, wow, the first two or three episodes, you're just getting to know the characters and then you really get into it later on down the line. I think that's, that's where we are. Well, the cool part about this though, that's like a step before tv is i know there's an episode where you guys actually build your characters so the audience gets to hear that live that's kind of cool yeah like did you build the characters live or did you have them and you just spoke about them on the first episode you know i don't even really remember can't remember uh we we built them because elena and bill had never played before basically it was us walking them through the character creation process and most of it we we did on my on mic but a lot of the the more background stuff we just we didn't record and we just did between the five of us. So yeah, we basically, I mean, I, 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 like, I think everyone had the class that they felt they were interested in. Right. Yeah. John. And then with, uh, Elena and Bill, we just helped them flesh out the details, right. The minor, the, the nitty gritty stuff more than anything. Yeah. And I think the, the plan was also to introduce them to D and D and let everybody that listened in, who might have been board gamers that never really played RPGs, sort of learn along the way as uh, with Bill and Elena as they asked questions and, and tried to understand what was going on. And I think Leland and Emily and I just want to say, you know, hey, you don't have to take this so seriously. Just have fun with it and enjoy the ride. And you can learn as you go like ever, you know, like you should. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, we well, I mean, Elena remarks our last after party we recorded like she hasn't even read the player's handbook so she hasn't even right. looked at the player's handbook but she knows how to play her character so 
It's pretty cool. I guess. And the other thing something. is, everybody's not fucking Critical Role, right? I mean, they're not voice actors, and they're not, you know, professionals. But you can still have a good time with your friends. You don't mm-hmm. have to be that way. When's the last mm-hmm. time you played Moby? Uh, it was a few years ago. Um, I don't think I played Beyond Marty's Stag. I think that may have been the oh, last Oh, yeah. Time. I think that was the last time that group played. That was actually a really cool day. So for the first day of Marty's Stag, we all went to this island uh, where Leland's dad had a cabin. And we basically played D&D the entire first day. We, we went at least 12 hours. I I think okay. I don't think it was twelve hours of play. There was a lot of alcohol. I think it's a little <laughs> embellished, but it was the day we did we did play for the day. And you want it to got, talk about party? It splits. got sloppy. It did get sloppy. <laughs> there, there was me and another guy who got separated, and we just had to go on the like patio and close the door and play chess because we couldn't hear what was going on in the other room. Well, you guys didn't want to go into the cave and instead you, I think you guys stayed and interrogated like the cultist or something, right? Isn't that was... yeah. yeah. Me, me and listener idiot. I can't believe we, uh, <laughs> we, we banded yeah. together and all right? the people. Yeah. But that was, that was a really fun. That was. Yeah. So before that, did, did you have like a group that you played with, uh, on a regular basis? Yeah, so that's how I knew about Blake Lakely was um, Leland had DM'd a group, and I was part of that. Um, and I I played a barbarian. I don't play a usual class, but it's I never play anyone who's magic or range based. Never. Um, so it's always a paladin or warlord from edition four was my favorite ever, or in this case a barbarian. And yeah. It, Actually, no. Was he was he a barbarian or just a warrior? Because he was a bad cop. He was modeled after the comedian from Watchmen. <laughs> okay. So he was basically, you know, bad cop. His, the, I think, the very first thing he did was punched a protester in the face and knocked out some yeah. teeth. His yeah. very first action. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you play characters like yourself, or do you play characters that are a counter to yourself? I, the correct answer is play characters that are counter to myself but like guilty pleasure like you know i love to act as the as an anti-hero is kind of a bad guy like that i mean again that's why i like homelander so much i mean i guess he's an all-out villain but the comedian was (laughs) the comedian was an anti-hero yeah yeah um so i love those kind of characters and i love role-playing those kind of characters more than anything else yeah now, Leland, we never really talk about your characters and other games that you've played. Yeah. I mean, we always look at you as a DM. We never really right. think about you as a player. What what things have you uh, played before that, that you enjoyed? I mean, are they people that just don't like everything and pissed off of shit all the time? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, Pretty so much. you play yourself. And uh, <laughs> have you ever played anybody that was somewhat happy? And um, Yeah, yeah. No. I'm drawn to Cleric for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why. You feel like you're needed? <laughs> I, need, I need some type of salvation. Uh, yeah, or the party just needs a cleric. No, I just, I think I'm, I like putting that, the spin on religion, because usually uh, my characters will use religion either misguidedly or as an excuse for something more nefarious. Mm. Um, almost as like a, as a guy's kind of thing. Uh, very rarely are they. I oh no, they're they're always devout, but like you know, they they they're devout the way they 
the way it benefits them more often than not. I think that's tend where I go to clerics. Okay, John. So in our first ever game, which I actually was the DM, Leland played a Dragonborn warrior. So, or Dragonborn paladin. Was he a paladin? I don't even know yeah, what he was. was. He? I know he was a Dragonborn. He was no. a Dragonborn. And like fire. You should have seen this sadistic sack of shit in that game. <laughs> um, the goal was they had to go around the world. They had to get a scale from a bunch of different colored dragons. You had your blue dragon, your your you know your red dragon. There was a bronze dragon, but the red dragon was particularly uh, vicious, and you had to get something from these townspeople that were like kobolds. Um, I don't know if they're in edition five, but they were in fourth edition. Yep. So you had to get something from kobolds, and you were supposed to negotiate with them. And instead, Leland, who they treat him like a god, because I guess they're like little reptilian creatures, Leland gets a bunch of lumber, and then he soaks the lumber in tar. Then he builds the lumber into like a square. Then he gets all the kobold into the square. <laughs> he, he, he pats the children on their shoulders and tells them that they're going to have a great spiritual experience with him and you can see where this is going with his minor ability being dragon breath yeah he yeah he torched an entire town alive no anesthetic (laughs) because that would have made it okay yeah right i had knocked him out first and i remember i was so impressed with his action that the the red dragon was laughing his ass off and rips off his kill. like, here, you deserve this more than I do. <laughs> well, that was the very first time I had ever role-played and was, like, my very first character. So, of course, it's like, I, you know, either it's, like, it's exactly yourself or, like, it's the complete opposite, most evil, murder hobo motherfucker that you would ever make, right? It's so, right. like, classic, like, first character. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, you, you, I have one request. One request, and I promise I will listen to... The Incorrigible Podcast. You must introduce Zelbador, either as myself (laughs) or as you. (laughs) That's funny. So, Zelbador was this, like, zombie brute that the characters encountered in my game early on. And he would just say fun things like, why you here? Where you go? (laughs) Yeah, like the simplest, like, because he's a a zombie. (laughs) But these guys loved him so much that he kept reappearing, but then because they were higher level, in case they fought him, he became higher level. And eventually, still being the same boring zombie brute, he became this, like, trans-dimensional spiritual god. Yeah, yeah. And by the end of it, I just loved where that went. Yeah, I think we we first met him in the hull of a ship. Yes. And uh, I think it was Marty's character that was trying to like sneak around, and he, yes, and it was. And he failed. He critically yeah. failed. And then, like the first thing we hear him say is, "Why, Why are you here?" here? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, maybe he could show up as a as a god that somebody's uh, praising, uh, and have him uh, show up in uh, as a guest NPC, so we can kill him. <laughs> <laughs> you should. It should be like Thanos at the at the beginning of Endgame. You know, John just lops his head off or just shoots him in the head with an arrow. <laughs> That's it. Salvador dies. Uh, I, but I have to, there's got to be build-up, though. It's got to be, who can I pick in the game currently that has been built up and then just easy to kill? Oh, dear God. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Most everybody we run into dies somewhere. Yeah. Dies or get uh, screwed over. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, I'm having really fun uh, doing the podcast as well. 
John, another thing I was going to ask is, what's your favorite board game of all time? Do you have one? Oh, dear God. Uh, it changes all the time. But, uh, you know, I would say, and and I'm not going to say it's my favorite board game. But I think I went, when I got back into board game, I really wasn't into board game. I was into RPGs uh, as I was younger. And then we we sort of got into a lot of video games. Like, But I liked the, the big mega multiplayer online games like EverQuest and and lineage and different things like that we we played a lot of and that sort of scratched that D itch for us in the 90s uh right when you know we could get on the internet and play with uh, all of our friends and uh then i think when we started getting back into board games it was like quirkle and little things that you you sort of hey this is sort of cool and you know you do the munchkin thing for a while because that sort of feels like a you know a little funny D thing and then you start really opening up and going wow that's really crap and there's a lot of other good stuff and i think my answer is going to be descent was that mm. that crossover game where i sort of gave me that D feel but it was in a board yeah. game form and uh you know imperial assault came after that and then you have like mansions of madness and i think a lot of those um you know ameritrashy type dungeon crawl games were were what really dug me into the hobby and then I've branched out, and and now we like all kinds of things. So you know, there's Euro games, and but on a on a weekly basis, my my favorite game change. Like we play a lot of Merlin right now, and that was that was something I think we really enjoy. But that'll that'll fade, and we'll move on to the next thing. Hmm. Hey, Leland, what's your favorite game of all time? Do you have one? Um, no, it's like an ever revolving top five ish. Would Lords of Vegas make your top five? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Okay, we've just had too many good times playing that game. Well, I mean, the yeah. game itself is is pretty simple and not not really much to it, but like just every time it comes to the table, we always have a great time. Well, that's why I bring it up is because our group of friends out here likes playing it so much. Do you? So that's why it asked. No, so. no, I definitely enjoy it. Yeah, I love gambling at everyone's casino. It's just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah, I think the other thing about board games is you have so many side hobbies that come off of it too. Like I do a lot of miniature painting, and mm. anything that has miniatures is I always look at it as this is a cool game I can play, but then I can use it for D and D, right? All these different characters, and then the hours I can spend just listening to some music and vegging out, uh, you know, painting is sort of my escape from everybody. That's awesome because I mean I know board gaming is technically a hobby, but you really make it a hobby if you're you know, painting and making custom yeah, miniatures totally. and things like that. Well, so. I always found it fascinating how, how not just branch hobbies, but literally like branch industries off of board gaming too, right? Like oh, how yeah. many different insert com- companies are there out there? And uh, people that like to design and, and like uh, laser cut their own out of like balsa wood or and that kind of shit and like, like f- and foam and stuff like that. And today, everybody's growing their own miniatures. You make your own terrain. You, you know. Yeah, yeah. We do all kinds of stuff uh, for our other group because we all get together and we can make all kinds of different things we can play on the table. You know, and now there's even, you know, putting TVs into your table and having, you know, the actual yeah. maps that have movement and sound. And, I mean, this is all the cool shit that back in the in the 80s we would just dream about with our little graph paper and pencil. And, and now it's just readily available to everybody. And I think that's the other cool thing is now it's not that geeky thing. Now it's the cool, you know, the cool thing to be in is role playing and board games. It totally is. I, it's funny you say that because I own this on DVD, this old TV movie, Mazes and Monsters. Ever... <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks movie. 
Tom yeah. Hanks. And it's yeah. funny because, you know, back then it's role playing is such a scary, terrible thing. It's kids dying in boiler rooms of schools yeah. and all. Satanic oh, yeah. Shit. Going yeah, nuts. we were down in our basement. You know, we once one of the other things we did was we had a metal band and. And of course, we were uh, listening to Slayer and Megadeth and Metallica, and this is in the the eighties. And downstairs playing D and D. And my mom is a is a you know pretty devout churchgoer, and she thought I was uh, going to go to hell. So yeah, <laughs> I, I remember living through all that, and uh, it was pretty well, bad. I mean, people really thought that shit. Off. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> Are you playing a cleric, John? If you're not, I'm going to come down there. <laughs> Remember, so, yeah. before each so move, you, you read you a Bible verse. Played AD and D. Yeah, I played AD and D. Right. Yeah. Did uh, you play second edition? Sets. Second edition. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because second edition was right around that satanic panic stuff, and that like second edition basically came about because they weeded out a lot more of the occult influences and kind of sucked a lot of it out of it and, and moved shifted the focus to the heroism mm-hmm. a lot in uh, second edition. Yeah, but I mean, you still had the Fiend Folio, and you had the Monster sure. Manual, and you had all the the deities and demigods. I mean, I remember Mom staring at that book a few times, and you know, <laughs> you know, thinking they, they thought you were actually going to lose your mind and become your character, like like the <laughs> Mazes and Monsters movie, right? But at the same time, we were make going out and having laser uh, sword fights, you know, out in the woods, pretending we were Jedi's and everything else, so. Back in those days, everybody thought we were out of our mind. And we were the, the nerds that, you know, we're never going to get a date kind of thing, too. So, Well, <laughs> now you're married with kids, so, you know, you were Oops. out in that forest and ran Whoa. into Emily the Elf up in a tree with her bow. <laughs> she put a Cupid arrow right in your heart. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well, we want to wrap up, or does anybody have something else you wanted to touch on? I mean, if you want to get the old man's take on anything, I'm I'm happy to uh, to give you my opinion. Okay, well the one the one thing that I did prepare, I know I give Leland shit for not preparing, so maybe maybe we'll end on this. But uh, the Joker has the new Joker movie has been officially rated R as of today for quote strong bloody violence and disturbing behavior. Yeah. So. I've never seen a disturbing behavior mention with that language specifically for an R-rated film before. So, yeah, that's um, true. Me, makes me think we're gonna see some weird shit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet uh, cannibalism. Okay, I'm gonna bet Joker's gonna eat his mom's face. That's my bet. Oh, on record. Man, that's actually not a bad prediction because that's something Hollywood hasn't really touched. Yeah. If you really want to go, I'm voting. There, I vote cannibalism. That's what I'm voting. Huh? So, so do you think it's there because we're getting a little too sensitive on this kind of stuff, or do you think that we're just getting a lot more gruesome? What I think is, I think DC just wants uh, to shake things up a bit with this film. They don't have to pour a ton of money into it. It's not a special effects spectacular. And I think they're just trying to hit a home run by trying something different with the Joker. You know, Le- Jared Leto doesn't do it for most people, I hate to say. <laughs> so, you know, DC, they can't, like, look where they can steer the ship. They can't suddenly become Marvel and make everything lighter or brighter. And where they've been going with, you know, their Justice League or whatnot is just the same old, same old. It's like, yeah, we're just grittier. We're the same band of 
people, but were just grittier. Yeah. I think what you do, what I would do to shake it up is exactly what they're doing with the Joker. You knock everyone else out, you make it a character study, almost like a psychological thriller on a crazy man. And then you take off the gloves and you're like, you know, just do the craziest shit because at this point, what do we have to lose? Like, in a way, it's kind of got that boy's feel for me. The trailer does. It's like, let's take this man, break him down, see what would actually happen to cause a man go this insane. And it's not always falling into glowing green toxic goo. I mean, that's interesting to me to to take that kind of thing. But do you think that the movie industry and the TV show industry is trying to come up with with things like that to be more shocking, to be able to drive people to the theater or, or watch the show? Or do you think that's just a unique... I mean, why do you think they're doing that right now? Like, it, the new It's coming out, and, I mean, you see the, the trailers for that, and it seems to be pretty... Like, it's going to be pretty gruesome, too. I don't find that violence senseless, though, John, in the examples that we've talked about. I find that the violence has meaning with the story, and it's more like this is how they should have done it. They've sanitized it before, and now they're doing things the right way. I mean, for the Joker to be such a big supervillain, he has to do some very, very bad things. And, you know, the other examples we could talk about, we you know, we talked about the boys, but I think that the violence there serves the purpose. I, I, don't, I, I guess what I'm going to say is I haven't seen an example of mindless, senseless... Uh, violence in a in a little while here you you can hey you can call me on my ship but just no 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 i i i I think i agree with you i i was just sort of saying with the the sensitivity around all that when you when you watch a show now it has like a big stream of things from trigger warnings oh yeah i mean and then by the end of it i'm looking at it with all the things it was warning me back about and then at the end of the show i'm like really i didn't really see a lot of that now maybe i'm just desensitized to it you're right. I think we're we're living in a culture that gets triggered easily and wants to be warned about content that might offend them. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what this was. It was I I think it was on YouTube, but there was a trigger warning that it would show the cleaning of a fish. Like, yeah, that's... like the internal cleaning of a fish. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And everyone was making fun of it in the comments section cuz it's like what the hell is this trigger warning for? It's it's food. You're cleaning the guts yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Well, again, that see Okay, one, uh, back up a little bit, I think uh, specifically like the Joker and it and the boys, like it's also all source material based, right? So yeah. uh, a lot of that hyper-violence I think comes as, as a reflection of the source material. So I think to to try to shed some of it out may, may feel like to some creators as a disservice to the source material. So that could be something. And also though, I think like in that specific instance of the, the, the YouTube creator, right? in his video, gave his own warning about this gutting fish. That is because there's onus on an individual, I think is a lot different than onus on a studio for some other type of thing. And obviously, YouTube in itself and some of the restrictions and enforcement or lack of enforcement on some YouTube creators is a conversation all on its own because YouTube is, again, its own fucking thing. But I think the sentiments that you both express, I certainly agree with. And I think a lot of it is, like, I am I know I'm desensitized as fuck. Like, I grew up watching 
Christ knows what. I, there was zero restrictions on what I could watch when growing up, and I watched yeah. everything. I mean, <laughs> I turned out okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I look at it when I see when I watch one of these shows and I see something happen, like the guy's arm gets ripped off or whatever. I I never really um, personally feel I'm like, oh, that's cool. How did they do that? Or you know, I I'm not really going, oh my god, that guy's arm really got ripped off, and. Maybe that's just me from, you know, making films a long time ago. And I'm, I'm more looking at the uh, how they made that, that effect more than I am feeling the actual act. I mean, the actual medical shows, if you run across one of those on TV, those freak me out. Yeah, those I, mean, are I don't, don't want to watch that crap. <laughs> but uh, as far as a movie... Because it's real, because you know it's real. Right, exactly. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think somebody that goes and watches a movie and they come out of there feeling traumatized because of what they saw seems odd to me because they know that was a created thing for entertainment for some, you know, you may not particularly like that kind of entertainment, but it, it's not real. Right. Well, and, and I mean, we've had this conversation on the podcast dozens of times. There are rating systems for media that for whatever reason they came into place, they're there and abide by them. Fucking pay attention to them. Don't, Show, watch an R-rated movie and then bitch and whine about what's portrayed in it because exactly. it's a fucking R-rated movie. Right. Then, if you are sensitive to that amount, that material, then just you got to stay away from it. You can't. <sighs> well, it reminds me of when I saw Deadpool one, and I've told you this story before, Leland. That his dad brought in like a birthday party of like ten six-year-olds to sit right in front of yeah, us. That's... And I saw no. them get traumatized. You could tell they were squirming <laughs> and screaming and like whimpering. Right. They well, were... <laughs> to put it in perspective, um, the boys, if he's an example, I was not affected at all by his girlfriend exploding and the amount of gore it showed. But I like shuddered and shied away from it when Deep was getting finger gilled, like yeah. gill fingered, like that, yeah. like that. Literally, like him, ugh, her putting her hands, fingers in his fucking gills, like maybe shudder. Because like you're not sensitized to that. You don't. See I that guess not. Time. Yeah, I guess yeah. not. I've got to watch more gill fingering. More, more <laughs> Marty can hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think today kids see stuff on their computer at home, you know, outside of mom and dad's. I and they get desensitized to this kind of stuff. I don't think it's, you know, unless you're really, you know, I, I maybe this is the bad parenting on my part, but, uh, you know, I don't, we sort of try to be open with our kids. We sort of expose them to things and talk about it and let them know that this is the realities of the world. And I think the more you hide something from somebody or keep them from it, the more they're going to desire it. The parents yes, that never let their true. kids have candy, as soon as they go over to their friend's house, they gorge themselves on whatever candy their friends have. And I think, a, and that's just, it's just my parent anyway. You can disagree with it as, as however you want. But I like to just, uh, you know, talk about it and say, hey, this is, this is what it is. I'd give you some example stories, but. I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Conversations I've had with my daughter when she was growing up, and there's nothing worse than having a, uh, you know, a 14, 15 year old uh, daughter that you're trying to uh, explain <laughs> things to. And uh, off mic, I can get, I can tell you the stories. <laughs> well, it's probably going to be more entertaining than my mom's speech on internet safety. She said. <laughs> 
There's snuff films. Don't watch them. <laughs> that was it. That's the well, then you went back and Googled snuff film, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have not seen one, but I guess, you know, so technically by the letter of the law. She was, I'm yeah, it mother. worked. <laughs> Fantastic. Because, you job, know, a sample size of one is always a great census. <laughs> I just love how that was the only talk. Ever. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> kid. I don't, I didn't. I don't know. I got a talk like that as far as like violent content. I think I was a semi-well-adjusted child. But like as far as like sex talks go, I just got like a book in the seventh grade. <laughs> My mom <laughs> gave me a book and I took it to school because I had naked girls in it. So, <laughs> I mean, do you guys even remember a world without the internet? I do. I mostly remember when I got the internet. Yeah. How amazing it was. I remember the first thing I ever did with the internet, the very, very first thing was I found a place where I could download Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> and I remember so excited as I waited 25 minutes for it to download. <laughs> we, Emily and I were just talking about that the other day. There's a, there's a disc. Somebody had, uh, we were watching a show and they were talking about their wedding song. And I, of course, I looked at her and go, what the hell was our wedding song? I'm sure we don't remember. I said, all I remember was I did the DVD or the CDs. I downloaded everything off Napster. Uh, before it was illegal so that sort of dates <laughs> that was the cool thing well no, no, no. napster was always illegal <laughs> yes, well, well, before it was officially illegal <laughs> oh that but, napster was the coolest thing back but shit now i just stream everything what i want to listen to on on youtube right you just type it in new full album oh yeah that just got yeah, you know come up. somebody's put it up right somebody oh, will absolutely. always put it online yeah I have a, a whole shelf full of CDs over there that I'll never listen to. Yeah, they're obsolete. I'll take your Savage Garden, you know. I think I have that over there, yeah. <laughs> end of show stuff? Yeah, okay, we can wrap her up here. Uh, end of show stuff. If you uh, check out our show notes, ttpopcast.com for written content and our main episodes uh, as in, in addition to our previous bonus episodes. I think this is like bonus episode 11 or 12. We haven't done one in a while. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah, we wanted yeah. to do one yet. Anywho, I've been Leland Steele. Oh, I've wait, been do, I, do I get, do I, don't I get to shout out my oh, show? Oh, yeah, we get to plug you again, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Okay, we'll plug you. Well, I, 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 on you can find me on, uh, uh, well, on the, in, the Encourageable Party podcast. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm Good Enough Party. And uh, I, I'm on Facebook also, but rarely. So, yeah, feel free to reach out, especially on the Encourageable Par on Twitter. And uh, let us know what you're thinking about the podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, uh, John. Really no, it's been fun. It was fun. I, I'm, I apologize. I didn't really get the rip on Leland too much. Unfortunately, I agreed with most everything he was saying, and it, and that is a rare thing. So no, no, no. That's there what, must be a blood moon or something. That's what consistently happens with the guests that we have on. Everyone just loves the steel. They agree with me. Everybody loves to polish the steel. Everyone loves polishing my steel. <laughs> <laughs> me especially. Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. I've had fun. That's great. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye.